Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar saurians and scalies. I'm your host, Lidmonon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Lucky Eevee, and Math Machine. Today is our 37th episode, and we're discussing 2009's Batman Brave and the Bold episode, Day of the Dark Knight. So, let's get things started. Batman Brave and the Bold was an animated uh, Batman series, and what's interesting about it is that it called back more to the Silver Age of Batman than, say, Batman the Animated Series or The Batman. <laughs> and for me, it is definitely a very wow. underrated show. Damn. It definitely you know, it, it knows what it is, and it knows that it has a lot of fun with it. And it gave us a lot of great moments. It definitely gave us perhaps one of the best versions of Aquaman out there. And so honestly, that alone is a plus. And honestly, like it was, it's very like ever since I heard about this, it was very funny finding out that the same person who did Rex Quando from Dynamite or Napoleon Dynamite was pretty much Batman. Yeah, yeah, Diedrich Bader. Yeah, he he does a fantastic job as Batman. I feel you know you, you wouldn't yeah. think that he could play the uh, you know the character well, but it actually turns out a lot better than you think. Hell and, yeah. yeah and yeah, the episode we're talking about today is an episode early on in the series. It actually, I think, was the fourth episode or fifth three. episode. Episode three. Ep- wow. So this is really yes. early on. But yet, it it doesn't have that oddness that a lot of shows did when they first started out in that. It basically uh, got to the point right away, which is a sign of a good show. So anyway, Wait, the episode... Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was episode four. Never mind. Sorry. All good. All good. Yeah. So the episode begins like uh, most episodes of Brave and the Bold do. It has a cold open that is unrelated to the main episode for the most part. And this time it involves green. It involves a Batman with Green Lantern on Oa. And it's interesting to see the version of Green Lantern that they use is Guy Gardner. They don't use like John Stewart or Hal Jordan, two of the uh, better known Green Lanterns. He Granted, they have his, uh, uh, Guy Gardner was better for comedic effect, which yeah. is what the series is going for. He's yeah, yeah, exactly. Just I'm, I'm sorry? as a green super pickle. He, he very much reminds me of Ben Grimm, the thing. I can no, see I that. Like I can kind of see that. The, the yeah. human the human guys. Yeah, I definitely can see that. But yeah, yeah uh, guy I honest. Yeah, I re- I'm I'm kind of a closeted Green Lantern fan for the most part, but I don't really dabble in the Lantern stuff often. Yeah, yeah. You usually but, think of the Green Lantern as a big brain time type of superhero, but Guy Gardner is fun because he was kind of just muscle. Yeah. Exactly, exactly that. But yeah, it's uh, mostly just is, Will and. Yeah, it's mostly just will, and honestly, if you have enough willpower to, like, muscle through shit, then honestly, it doesn't really require that much brain. Yeah, like, yeah, the entire Lantern Corps in general requires brain for the most part, but come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So anyway, a uh, guy is supposed to deal with the prisoners there, and he enjoys taunting them. There's a good joke with uh, the Green Lantern Corps having to have Batman there as security, not for the prisoners, but for Guy Gardner against the uh, prisoners, which is a funny thing. I got a call. I need to go. Take your time. Take your time. It's all good. All good. All right. All right. All good. All good. Talk to you in time. That was just a guest of the episode. We'll call him a gent for now. And yeah, maybe he'll come back. But anyway, back to the episode now. What happens is a guy taunts a miniature prisoner and he dumps coffee on his head. Batman basically warns Guy that the prisoner is from a species that grows when it gets in contact with any liquid. And one thing that's interesting is the prisoner, when he, he of course, he grows giant and he starts rampaging while the other Green Lanterns all try to stop him but fail. One thing that's interesting, I don't know if this is intentional, the prisoner looks a little bit like Hedora from Godzilla. They're very similar. Yeah, and honestly, like the shape of it, you know. Uh, yeah, and also the the kill the little prisoner also uh, makes makes me think of those little uh, like you put that you put those little toys in water and then they grow. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and also like that uh, that one thing with the power buff girls. That's it reminds me of too a little bit. 
Nice. That little pet thing that kept growing. It, it definitely oh, yeah, reminds me of that as well, yeah. Little thing. The mayor's like, oh, I think I'll have one. Oh, whoopsies. <laughs> nope, we're uh, not yeah. doing it. <laughs> uh, that, that was a great one, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Jenny, final game back to this episode. Sorry about that little uh, mini tangent there. Yeah, uh, mini tangent. Bat- yeah, yeah, well, we'll get back to the episode right now. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, Batman uses a batarang to distract the prisoner while Guy attacks him with all kinds of heavy objects, and... And a pretty good gag, Guy tries dropping a giant piano, an anvil, and like a battleship on top of the prisoner. Which means I guess that Guy Gardner got all of his combat knowledge from Wile E. Coyote. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, uh, the, the prisoner grabs hold of Guy and he just starts basically pummeling him as Batman uses a device that removes all the liquid from the guy's body. Which, of course, Batman would have that because he's Batman. And, and then... yeah. He puts a bucket on him. Yeah, yeah, and that uh, traps him, and Guy is forced to clean up the mess that he made. And then we get to one of the best parts of the show, in my opinion, which is the uh, jazzy theme song, uh, (sighs) which, uh, really, the soundtrack in general is really, really great. And, again, I love how they have, like, all the buildings and whatnot are made up of text, and we see, like, you know, comic book cell images of all of Batman's allies. And, again, this really shows how much fun they had with the show to, to do something different than like Batman the animated series, and yet still had it turn out really, really good. Oh so, yeah, yeah. It's also very. It, also, the theme sort of, somewhat reminds me of both, like again, like the stuff from the '60s and whatnot, and also like Venture Bros a little bit. But it also reminds me a bit, oddly enough, of Tarzan. I don't know if that's just see me. It. I can kind of yeah. see that. Yeah, like the little bongo drum just makes me think, like, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It really has a 60s vibe to it. And again, it feels like something that they would do in the Silver Age. And let's just say it's a lot better than the actual Batman cartoon that they did in the Silver Age by filmation. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) But yeah, uh, the episode proper begins the prison break in Gotham. And this again, it's funny that you mentioned 60s Batman because this is really such a nice touch. All of the prisoners that break out. All of them are the uh, bad guys from the 60s Batman. They have, like, all of the, like, obscure characters. They have Egghead, who was played by the great uh, Vincent Price. They have King Tut. They have Louis the Lilac. They have the Clock King, and he looks like how he did uh, in the episode, which is nice. Oh, oh, uh, man. That's so funny, like, when Batman knocks him out, it's like clock face opens up and it's yeah, just him his real face. That, that's clock. a good gag, too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like that. It, that it it, they actually... I mean, when's the last time Batman referenced the villain that was played by Milton Berle, you know? Uh, you know, that that's, again, why I like this show. They weren't afraid to actually go back to the original show. Granted, the animated series did, but not really as much as I think Brave and the Bull definitely took inspiration from it, and it's yeah, very good Brave to see that. Yeah, Brave and the Bull was 100% like Adam West slash freaking Hanna-Barbera stuff. Yeah, but it, it did which... take itself a little bit more seriously, which, again, I did enjoy about that. Funny, funny thing, actually, this was the same animation stuff that Scooby Doo would use later on. Interesting yeah, enough. Yeah, exactly same. Yeah, exactly same. And speaking of which, uh, there is a uh, Batman Brave and the Bold meets a uh, Scooby Doo movie, and yeah. the dragoness in this episode appears in a Scooby Doo directed video movie. But we'll talk more about that later. So oh. keep tuned. But yeah, uh, Batman and the Green Arrow show up at the same time to take down the prisoners. Uh, Green Arrow remarks that uh, Batman is afraid that he'll show him up again. And then they make it like a contest to see who can take down more prisoners, and they end up tying. I like the montage because it's a lot of fun. We get to see all their different uh, combat skills, which is great. And the fight choreography on this show, again, it's not the animated series, but it's not trying to be. It feels more fluid, which is what they want to do with it. And also with uh, the whole thing with Batman and Green Arrow having like a friendly, competitive vibe to it is a lot of fun. Yeah, honestly, kind of feel. It honestly kind of reminds me a little bit of like uh, Mickey Mouse and uh, Bugs Bunny's relationship. Like, yeah, it also. You'd think they'd be at the at each other's throats like Daffy or uh, freaking uh, Donald Duck, but yeah, nah, nah, I didn't understand that. It also reminds me of uh, something else, and I'll talk about that more about that in a couple minutes, guys. We'll be getting to it soon. But yeah, uh, uh, an elderly prisoner with a beard, he attempts to escape as Batman and Green Arrow throw a batarang and an arrow at him. The old man uses magic to deflect their attacks, and then he casts a spell that teleports the three of them back in time. 
I like this one joke that uh, Batman remarks that, oh, we teleported through time, and Green Arrow sarcastically remarks, oh yeah, you really are the world's greatest detective. That that really is something that is just so in character, and it is a really good joke. Yeah. Of course, the, the old man reveals himself to be Merlin the Magician, and he teleported them back to the 5th century. So I guess Merlin was in jail for vagrancy after the events of Sword in the Stone. Maybe. Or, yeah. you know, the less fun option. He yeah, traveled he... back in time and disguised himself as a prisoner because... That too, yeah. Which he just basically definitely... pulled a Roshi and showed he's more badass. That too. That that also could definitely work. And also, Merlin too... it's funny, like... It's also funny that, like, Merlin pretty much explains to Batman and Green Arrow that they're pretty much in, like, the medieval times, but, and Green Arrow is still, like, not convinced whatsoever, but, like, Batman sees Merlin summon birds or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, I was just gonna say I'm that. Convinced. He uh, he turns one of Green Arrow's arrows into a bird, and Batman, that's enough to convince him. Uh, yeah, yeah, Merlin... I'm convinced. Yeah, <laughs> which, again, Batman is the straight man in all of this, which really actually oh, yeah. works out better, because, again, yeah. Batman himself is not an inherently comical character, but when you have comical stuff or comical characters around him, he is perfect, as he's, like, the perfect guy to actually react to this sort of stuff. So, yeah, uh, Merlin reveals through flashback that Morgana Le Fay, uh took over Camelot and turned all the Knights of the Round uh, Table to stone. Morgana, to me, she resembles Maleficent a little bit, not so much with the skin color, with the hair, but definitely with the outfit. And, of course, the demeanor, which we will get to that more of in a little bit as well, but she definitely seems like the animators took inspiration from Maleficent for her. A little bit. Yeah. She also reminds me a bit of Narissa and, like, her behaviorisms and, like, her look a little bit. I can bit. see that, I'm not too. Sure. A little bit more like with the Narissa, with the whole superiority complex and whatnot. That, that huh. definitely, too, uh, ties into it. And, of course, uh, Merlin uh, then mentions that the student has surpassed the master, which I guess that means that he's Obi-Wan and she's Darth Vader in this, uh, mm-hmm. in this little bit of a uh, tale here. But, yeah, uh, it turns out Merlin... Obi-Wan, however, he doesn't die. Yeah, yeah, so he's tougher than that. But, yeah, Merlin is revealed to have kept Excalibur, and uh, he says that only one is worthy to have it. He says that according to the ancient runes that both Batman and Green Arrow had the capacity to have uh, Excalibur, but he's not sure which one, so that's why he has to bring uh, both of them. And of course, this leads to Batman and Green Arrow basically uh, fighting, not fighting, fighting, but basically, you know, remarking that they are the ones who should be worthy, which, again, is something that is very interesting for Batman, because you don't really get to see this kind of side of him, of him being like a little, like a petty guy in that. Yeah. He's always the more serious, stoic, you know, humorless type. So to see him succumb to like a jealousy like this or like, you know, uh, envy and stuff, it is very, very interesting. But yeah, the what happens is him owning that this is petty and childish while continuing to do it. Yeah, too, it also kind of reminds me a bit of the Batman because in that one, even though he's super serious or whatnot, it's basically him just like a younger, more. Not, a younger, more pretty... Oh, gosh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's basically well, a younger Bruce Wayne who also get, uh, also gives into some of those things sometimes. Yeah, I, I definitely can see where you're coming from with that comparison. But yeah, uh, Morgana basically uh, is watching them through a crystal ball, of course, obviously. She mm-hmm. basically uh, demands that Merlin should not get to the castle, and she gets her servant Jason Blood to do it, and... She transforms Jason into Etrigan the Demon in a pretty decent transformation sequence. It's it's not as good as the one we're going to talk about in a little bit, of course, but it definitely is a neat one. I think that Etrigan has a cool design for a demon with the ridged ears being a very interesting uh, element to it. Uh, here's one thing I have a question of. Was he really in Batman? Because uh, you know, I, I was a fan of Batman, never read the comics, never had any comic books of uh, really anyone. Okay. So I'm I can't not sure if he... For- I can't speak to the comics, but I do know that he appeared in uh, the animated series Justice League and a few times in the uh, other Justice League sort of things. So I do understand that he has had some levity in the Batman universe, but I don't think he originated from Batman. I see. Don't don't quote me on that, but if any of you know what I get you. 
he first appeared in a comic called The Demon, and he yeah. is often associated with the Justice League. So because Raven the Bold seems to be pulling from the Justice League roster uh, all willy-nilly, that's how they got him in this. I see. that. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, His that, thanks, Zach. is Morgan Le Fay, so kind of fits to have him here. I see. So it, yeah. it actually is like it's canon. It's not like taking like creative liberties. This basically is canon as to how it happened. Maybe soften up a little bit, but I get it. Okay. So yes. yeah, uh, and then uh, cuts to Merlin riding along with Batman and Green Arrow. Uh, unfortunately, they were going to go see Sauron the White, but he told them, but they denied him. So he showed them the way of pain and kicked him out. Ooh, wait, wait. But, yeah. Remind me who the, where the way of pain was. Uh, it was just a joke. Never mind. Never mind. It was it was just a Lord of the Rings joke. But anyway, oh. uh, Merlin, but anyway, uh, the trio is then ambushed by Etrigan and Morgana's other henchmen. Batman gets beaten by Etrigan, but Merlin gives Batman an axe and a shield. And Green Arrow, meanwhile, is treating it like a competition, much to Batman's annoyance. Oh, oh, uh, excuse me, folks. Uh, I'm just going to take a break from that one quick second to let you know that Striker has arrived. Hey, I'm late. No, no, all good, all good. What happened earlier, for those of you listening, um, Discord went down for a little while, so we had to deal with that for a little bit. So Mm. our apologies that this episode isn't as polished as some of the other ones because we were stressing out a little bit, but it's all good now. So yeah, as you were saying, uh, uh, Green Arrow is basically treating uh, them fighting the monsters as a competition to Batman's annoyance, but then uh, Batman counts a two-headed monster as one, proving that the friendly rivalry is still on. And I, I'm sorry, this definitely seems like it was intentional. It really reminds me of Gimli and Legolas when Legolas takes down the giant elephant and yeah, Gimli looks at and says, that still only counts as one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I make okay. so many Lord of the Rings references okay. on this episode. I'm sorry, but I mean, how I mean, could you not? They're both made by Warner Bros. So technically, te- they yeah. are. They are. And I never I thought of that. Count, true. I still count Warner, the Warner Brothers version of uh of um Lord of the Rings as canon. Yeah, yeah they, they are. They are. I, I think they're the greatest version of the Peter Jackson it's, ones and yeah. It's yeah. Awesome. And also Definitely. for those who and are the tuning Hobbit in, movies, welcome, good too. And for those who are oh, also and, yeah. back. Yeah, Jordan our uh, other co-host is back. So yeah, everyone is here mm-hmm. a little bit belated than yep. usual, but hey, Here's everyone's here for now. Logo. So yeah, it's just <laughs> So, again, <laughs> apologies for this being a little more disorganized than usual, but now we'll finally get back to the episode. Uh, Merlin reveals that Etrigan was his servant, and he vows to make him uh, his again. And I do like this one part, uh, how creative it shows the show was. Uh, Green Arrow uses an arrow tipped with electric shockers to take down all the monsters are a good one. And, as I said earlier, the way they adapted the fighting in general... They made it like a uh, child friendly, but yet they kept it to where it was still impactful and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, Green Arrow and Batman both try to take on Etrigan, but he appears in a pillar of flame. Then uh, Morgana is frustrated at this. She vows to take them down herself, but not before taunting the uh, stone statue of Arthur. Then we cut back to uh, Merlin, uh, Batman, and Green Arrow riding along as the two argue about who uh, took down the most monsters. And one part I really like about this is just how visibly annoyed Merlin is getting with them. Yeah. He just he's getting so frustrated with them. It is so hilarious that they actually went and did that. They could have had him as like the, the wise, you know, old you know, master and that. But to actually give him a little bit of humanity like that is a really nice touch. I am really glad that they did that. Oh, and yeah, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, and then uh, it turns out that both of them have to climb a gigantic tower to collect Excalibur. Green Arrow, of course, claims that he's the one who deserves Excalibur and not Batman, which causes them to have an argument and uh, and and basically, sorry, time to and basically uh, to get them to ride off to it. And again, it's funny that how petty Batman is here. And yeah, yeah, he acknowledges it, but it's still it is so out of character. <laughs> But like some of the other Batmans to act like this, but this one again, it works well, and it works well for that more Silver Age tone that they're going for. And while yeah. they're doing this, that, yeah, that was, yeah, honestly, I bet Dietrich Bader, aka Rex Wando, is having a blast with this. And oh, definitely, definitely. Interestingly enough, I think that the same person who did Joey Joey Wheeler also did uh, Green Arrow in this. I don't quote me on that, but I'm not sure. 
I will have to check that out. But yeah, I definitely feels in character for him to basically be, you know, all rival like. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, what happens is uh, basically uh, what happens is two gigantic ogres appear out of the water and they turn out to be the uh, guardians of the tower. Sadly, they only roar, so we do not get to hear either of them say, What are you doing in the swamp? I had to, I had to, I'm sorry. I had to make that joke. (laughs) They also Uh, remind me a little bit with how they move. And again, I'm not sure if this is intentional. They remind me of uh, Talos from Jason and the Argonauts. mm. So, yeah, it definitely is something that the way they move is, again, it feels like it's trying to be, it's like the fluid animation, but it also feels something very Harryhausen-esque about them, despite them being in uh, 2D. So yeah, uh, Green Arrow oh. takes down one of the ogres while Batman defeats the other. They both use like explosives to do so, which is a nice touch. Then uh, Morgana appears before them and taunts them. She uses her magic to control Batman, and she turns him into a medieval knight that serves only her, which yeah. is a very interesting thing here. Batman's brainwashed medieval knight costume looks extremely similar to the costume that Terry used in Batman Beyond. Yeah, very, it's very pretty similar. interesting. Yeah, it, I think that it's supposed to be a callback. It definitely yeah. seemed intentional. Yeah, it definitely was them because Paul Dini worked on this show too. Yeah, it, it's also interesting that the tower itself looks like a sword thrust into the stone from a certain angle. You know I never noticed that. That actually is a very good point. You know, that is very good symbolism. That was uh, meant to happen. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Batman is then forced to claim. Yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. I understand. So yeah, Batman is basically forced to claim Excalibur for uh, Morgana. Merlin wards off Etrigan while a uh, Green Arrow is given a sword and he's forced to fight a uh, brainwashed Batman. And this part of the episode, I feel, has like some of the best fight choreography of it. With a Green Arrow uh, quickly losing his sword and he's forced to use his arrows. Of course, Batman, yep. being Batman, is proven to be stronger and he's close to basically knocking a Green Arrow off a cliff. Meanwhile, Etrigan manages to knock out Merlin and he goes in for a kill. Then we get something interesting, a neat little subversion in that. Green Arrow tries to appeal to Batman, claiming that he's his friend and all the adventures he went on. And on other shows, that would be enough to break Batman's brainwashing and have him, you know, save the day and whatnot. But here, it turns out to not be enough at first, and Batman actually kicks him off the cliff. And meanwhile, in Etrigan fighting is uh, basically fighting Merlin, he uses like some kind of an energy ball to hit Batman while he's standing on the cliff, which I guess that means that Master Roshi comment you made earlier, Angron, is right. Merlin yeah. really is a Saiyan. Also, for those of you uh, who have been a fan of the podcast for a long time, that is the second time we have joked about Merlin being like Master Roshi. Uh, and there probably will be many more to come. But knows? yeah, but yeah, uh, Batman and Morgana ends up uh, getting it, getting to Excalibur. But Batman then turns on her because it turns out uh, that energy ball broke the spell that Morgana Le Fay put on Batman. So he starts attacking her. And Etrigan shows up, and it turns out he also has been released of his bonds uh, to Morgana. So he's back to being uh, Jason Blood slash uh, Etrigan Etrigan. for now. And Morgana is so enraged at this that we finally get to see why we are covering this episode. And it's a good one. She transforms into a dragoness. Now, her transformation effect is done in a really cool morphing effect as she turns from her human shape to a dragoness one on screen it's not as detailed like something like ludmilla being piece by piece or something like that but the fact that they did this in like 2009 it's not uh, like cgi either it appears to be all 2d animation her going from being a human being to being a gigantic imposing dragoness is a really sleekly animated uh, one it's definitely one of the most unique uh, aspects of transformation that i've seen and yeah overall it looks really really good yeah, and, and it's uh, feral form. It reminds me a bit of uh, oh gosh, what what's a dra- what's the dragon? Um, uh, I don't. Know, it it basically looks like I don't know Maleficent or something a little uh, or like every other medieval dragon for the most part. But I, I can see it. I when can she's in the air and like sort of like upright a little bit, she reminds me a bit of Blue Eyes Abyss Dragon, not White Dragon Abyss Dragon. There is a difference. Huh. It also reminds me a bit of Axe Dragon Newt. Huh. I can definitely see that as, 
and also uh i want to point out something mm-hmm. it is not the voice of joey wheeler who played uh green <laughs> green arrow oh yeah oh it's james arnold taylor oh mm. who is he it's again ratchet from final fantasy 10 wow, and ratchet okay. Oh dang! From Ratchet and Clank. Nice. Yeah. That is awesome. Definitely, definitely, yeah. But also, like I said, uh, that very is interesting. One thing also I do like is her dragonist form in general. It's a really unique one, probably one of the most unique dragonist designs I've seen. Not so much with the body, but definitely with the face. Because she has like these uh, four fangs protruding out of her mouth at all times. Her eyes are like pitch black with white pupils, which is a nice with, touch. Uh, with red, pu- with green pupils. Sorry, green pupils. Sorry, sorry. My apologies. Uh. But yeah, uh, she has a really unique design that it's reptilian, but it's just different enough from like a standard dragon to where it really looks good. You know, it is oh, something yeah. that I think it really turned out uh, for the best in this case. And her dragonous form is large enough to be able to rip through the roof, which, very nice touch. Mm. And something that I always like with dragonesses, including this one, is Morgana, it's revealed that she's still able to speak in her dragonous form, which is something that is surprisingly rare for these uh, type of characters, believe it or not. Yeah. And whenever they do it, I'm always happy that they do it, because it's just something that gives them so much more character than if they just turn to a dragoness and just start roaring and whatnot. That this is a rarity, and it definitely is something that I really enjoy. The fact that they uh, distort her voice a little bit and they put an echo effect is another really good touch to show how big and imposing she is. And again, at least it isn't monster-like with Ludmilla. Ludmilla, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It, it definitely isn't like that. And uh, Batman then attempts to pull out the sword and the stone, and he can't do it. Proves that he is not worthy, unfortunately. Morgana uses her tail then to destroy a lot of the temple, and. Again, I really like how she also keeps her intelligence. Like, she's not just like a mindless monster. Again, like Ludmilla. And even like with Maleficent, in a way, she's, she's using uh, more of her skill in that to try and defeat them, which definitely, again, is something I enjoy to see. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, pretty rare, all yeah. things considered. And yeah. honestly, it's very nice that she underwent a magical transformation because it helps keep her intelligence while also still, you know, coming with all the perks. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so basically, uh, Jason then transforms back to Etrican the Demon. He teams up with Merlin and Batman to try and take her down. But Morgana basically takes the sky so he smashes the entirety of the temple. Merlin has to save Batman and Etrigan by taking the uh, small piece of rock that they're standing on and levitating it to the ground. Morgana then demands that Merlin uh, gives up. And here's where something interesting happens. She breeds a green flame onto Etrigan and turns him into stone, which, again, the green flame is another reminder to me of Maleficent, which is not a bad thing, believe me. You know, the fact that it's inspired by probably the most iconic dragoness out there is not a negative for her mm-hmm. in any way. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, this wouldn't be the first time, like, other companies referenced other, uh, other companies for the most part. Like, there's this episode of Kim Possible where, like, they actually did, like, a spoof of, like, Hanna-Barbera and just Batman in general, the fearless ferret. Yeah, um, yeah, and they got Adam West for that, too, and... Yes. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. But, yeah, uh, what happens then is that um, she uh, Morgana then turns Merlin into stone as well. She then turns to Batman, but Green Arrow distracts her. The fact that Green Arrow is still a braggart is another nice touch, how he doesn't care... That she's basically a gigantic dragon is at this point standing in front of him. And of course, Green Arrow then tries to pull the sword out of the stone, but he fails as well. And another element that I like is, again, Morgana taunting them about how they're only worthy for failure and death. And of course, Morgana breeds her flame onto Green Arrow and Batman. And you think this is it for both of them. But it turns out both Green Arrow and Batman have worked together to pull out the sword and the stone. So I guess yep. they were both worthy after all, but they had they to just team up to. and they didn't have to uh, combat each other with, yeah, uh, just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. They didn't have to fight each other. What they had to do is work together, which again, good message for the kids. You know, it is a good yeah, uh, like, message there. Not everything has to be a competition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, basically uh, green arrow then puts this Excalibur in his bow and it strikes Morgana instantly in the chest, which kills her, which, 
again, happened in Maleficent. You know, uh, Prince Philip stabbed her in the chest with the Sword of Truth, and she died. Here, Morgana's death is just depicted as her, like, uh, a flash of white happening and her disappearing. And this would be the final time that Morgana Le Fay appeared, unfortunately. So uh, it's presumed yes in Brave no. and the Bold, I think. In Brave and the Bold, I believe. Well, there's another time that she appeared in, like, oh? the uh, beginning of uh, an, an, a later episode. But, yeah, unfortunately, this is her last major ball. Right, also, yeah, like this was, and this the, was the, the last only time she appeared as a dragoness, too. Yeah, this is one of two instances that I can think of where, like, uh, using a sword as an arrow is pretty dang amazing. Like, not since Ryu Ishida from Bleach did this particular thing be so was this particular thing so epic oh definitely definitely and uh uh merlin basically admits to green arrow that he was wrong in that and etrigan then appears in a pillar of flame with green arrow's sarcastic remark of oh what a drama king that's another good one from like yeah. etrigan's big noble demon speech and green arrow just not taking it seriously at all is a good yeah. one he, uh, yeah, despite being a quote-unquote ripoff of Batman, I like this. Ver I like <laughs> the fact that they uh, juxtapose Batman with Green Green Arrow. Oh, in they this definitely way. did. They, they did that with oh, a yeah. lot of the uh, DC heroes. You know, they definitely did yeah. one of the best versions of uh, Aquaman. Uh, Plastic Man was amazing, voiced by the great Tom Kenny, and he is fantastic as Plastic Blue Man. Beatles, oh Blue yeah, Beatles he awesome. is. Yeah, and I, I, I still also remember like what that they did with uh, freaking. Uh, Ted Cord, the Ted Cord yeah. Blue Beetle. Yeah, he oh, did yeah. a good job too. But also, uh, Merlin then announces that both Batman and Green Arrow will be knighted by King Arthur. But then I like that even though they learn the lesson about working together as a team, they then still... start fighting each other over who deserved it more. And I, I love this part. Oh, Merlin great. is just so over both of them. He just sends them back to their own time. Like he doesn't want to deal with them at all. Camelot yeah. is safe now. Now get the hell out is basically what he does here. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh, get yeah, the like, fuck oh, out of here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What's a yeah, bunch uh, of a holes? Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I yeah, love Merlin, it. By now, completely. Uh, but now, uh, yeah, Batman and Green Arrow are back in Gotham City, and they both end up racing each other in their respective vehicles to see who stops at bank robbery first. And yeah, that's it uh, for the episode. Now, as I said earlier, this Morgana Le Fay dragoness design would reappear in a Scooby-Doo direct-to-video movie. I believe it was called The Sword and the Scoob, but don't quote me on that. Oh, dear. Uh, we will discuss that on the podcast uh, sometime, probably probably uh, sometime in the near future, so be sure to listen for that. They And they do use the exact same design. I don't know if they use the same voice actress. I will have to look that up, but it is interesting that they did bring back uh, the character for something that is completely unrelated, basically. Although, Batman did cross over with Scooby-Doo. Uh, Batman Brave and the Bull, excuse me, crossed over with Scooby-Doo once in the directed video movie, but once in what is probably my favorite episode of Brave and the Bold is the one with uh, Batman telling all the different uh, stories of... Uh, of Batman. He does like the Batman manga from the 60s. He does oh, like yeah, a parody version Bat of Batman. <laughs> and then he ends it with <laughs> Batman and Robin meeting Scooby-Doo and finding the Joker. It is probably the most hilarious Batman Brave and the Bold ever it was with how it satirizes uh, basically how corny the uh, Scooby-Doo Batman crossover in the 70s actually was. The yeah. one part that I really do enjoy and probably is the best part of that episode is the part where it, you know, Batman and Robin are fighting the Joker, and then it cuts to a safety public service announcement like they used to do, and like Batman is like, no, Batman is, Robin, if you fall in a shark tank, this is what you should do, and they, they turn to the camera and everything, and it is just so well-written and well-done, and mm. I love how also Batmite pauses the episode at some points to point out some animation errors, like, Oh, look, they colored Batman's hand wrong, and that's the wrong bat symbol. How could they be so sloppy? Uh, the fact they actually acknowledge, like, Hanna-Barbera being, like, crappy animators in the 70s with all the errors they did. That is funny as hell. I'm sorry. That, that is funny. It's Most not. Like, no, don't apologize. It is funny. 
Yeah, yeah it yeah, also no, reminds me of this one scene from uh, Wander Over Yonder where, like, Lord Hater is pretty much trying to make his own show saying how much Wander ultimately sucks and that he's awesome. But, like, <laughs> he makes his show like, oh, animating is so hard. People who do this for a living deserve more respect. And he, like, looks at the screen <laughs> and it's like, it's yeah, awesome. Also, yeah, that's great. That's great. But, yeah, uh, Brave and the Bold had a lot of really good episodes. And it lasted mm. for quite a while. I think it lasted for, like, three, maybe four seasons. And I think, Yeah, I think three seasons. Three seasons, yeah, yeah. And, again, it's a really good show. It's definitely one of the more underrated Batman animated shows. I'm not saying it's as good as Batman the Animated Series because nothing could be as good as that. But uh-huh. I feel like this oh, is no. a really close second for me just because mm. – if we're going by just Batman shows, not like Justice League, not like, you know, super, not like, you know, with an ensemble, just on the Batman show, this might be my second favorite, just for how fun it is and how how well yes. they did everything with it. And yeah, so what do you guys think of uh, Brave and the Bold in general? And then we'll get to the uh, question of the week. I think it's pretty awesome. Like, I grew up with this when I was still in, like, elementary school. I... Ultimately, uh, kind of lost it around the same time. I also lost Ben 10 Alien Horse because my focus was a little wonky at the time. I was focused on other stuff instead of Batman. But yeah, I absolutely like going back and watching this show. I absolutely remember why I loved Batman the Brave and the Bold in the first place. And it's honestly, in my opinion, better hot take here, better than Teen Titans no joke i can see that i can see that i feel like yeah batman brave and the bolt balance comedy and seriousness more than uh teen titans did at some points not mm. all the time but sometimes it can get a little strange so i feel like this time it uh worked out for the best so mm. yeah no kidding yeah yeah and now uh now that leads to the question of the week which is uh what are your favorite uh batman memories in general and uh for me, like I say, uh, I first uh, saw Batman, of course, with the uh, you know Batman the animated series on TV and stuff like that, and of course, uh, you know, video games. The first <clears> movies <throat> I saw actually were the uh, Tim Burton slash uh, Schumacher quadrilogy. And hot take, I like them a little bit better than uh, than Nolan, just a tiny bit. I, I like Nolan. Don't get me wrong, Dark Knight is a stone cold classic and whatnot, but <clears throat> I feel like you know if we're comparing them directly. I feel like at least Burton, maybe not Schumacher, but Burton, I feel like got Batman a little bit more. He got it just like a little bit more like, I I don't know, maybe levity or something. But that is my opinion. And this show, of course, I actually caught it on TV when it was first airing and I got hooked on it right away. I watched it, too. It was a great, great show. I never had any of the Batman comics, believe it or not. I just I never got into Mm. comic book collecting, maybe because there were no comic book shops where I lived and like they didn't sell them at like newspaper kiosks and that it was very hard to actually find these things. So yeah, I kind of never really got into that, but as a whole, I actually kind of like Superman just a little bit better than Batman. If, if I'm being honest, just a tiny bit more, but I, I still think Batman is an awesome, awesome character. You know, he's an icon for a reason, you know, everything about it is, you know, pretty good, you know, all, all really well done. And Overall, I feel like my favorite Batman memories are really just seeing the uh, the Batman 89 for the first time and being blown away with, you know, this is what a superhero movie could be. Now, granted, I had already seen Spider-Man, you know, the Spider-Man uh, trilogy and whatnot, so it probably didn't seem as impressive as it would have been if I had seen it in 1984, 1989, forgive me, but yeah, <laughs> overall, I feel like th- it really just blew my mind how a movie like that could be made and get the uh focus of the character so well and does the joker so well. i mean jack nicholson is just so amazing as the joker and the effects work out and it definitely is still a tim burton movie i mean look at the joker's yeah. balloons if you don't have any doubt of that like the clown balloon that is exactly like his art style <laughs> but yeah, yeah. otherwise <laughs> it de- and of course batman Batman Returns basically is a Tim Burton movie with Batman in it for all intents and purposes. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a Batman movie. It's Tim Burton movie featuring Batman. But yeah, overall, I feel like those movies in general really are some of the best superhero movies aside from the uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy and, of course, uh, Spider-Verse and whatnot. And again, I feel like Batman 89 deserves respect for how it opened the doors to superheroes. 
Yeah, we had <laughs> Superman, but Superman had increasingly uh, gone downhill. I mean, look, uh, two years earlier was Superman 4, Quest for Peace by Golan Globus. So, yeah. So, really, without Batman 89, would we have had the superhero boom that we did later on? It's a question to be asked. And, yeah, that basically uh, sums up my uh, Batman memories and whatnot. So, <laughs> Andron? So... To properly start this particular uh, train of thought, I... Oh, man. So, starting off, the first ever lunchbox I ever got for school was, ironically, a Batman lunchbox. It was plastic, it was made by the same people who did Thermos, I think. But, yeah... Uh, afterwards, the first actual media of Batman I ever actually, like, watched was, uh, or remember watching was The Batman on Kids WB. Like, the one with Tom Kenny as Penguin, freaking the young Bruce Wayne, like, the movie Batman, The Batman versus Dracula. Oh, man. Oh, Those whoa, whoa, whoa. Some... Uh, no, no, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's all good. What? No, no, sorry, sorry, you can continue. Sorry, sorry, I thought I saw something else. Go ahead, sorry, my apologies. Oh, that's all good. In any case, as I was saying... What was I saying? Oh, right. So, uh, my next actual Batman movie, believe it or not, other than Batman vs. Dracula, was Batman The Tales of the Dark Knight, if I'm saying that correctly. It was... Mostly a scattered, like, anime-esque uh, anthology of, like, telling a single story, but in several different parts and in different, like, settings and whatnot. But that, that, w- that aired on Toonami, and that was interesting. However, I think, my f- I think my first actual Batman comic would have to no doubt be The Long Halloween. That was basically with me my entire formative high school experience. Like, for the most part, anyway. There are other books that I was more interested in, but Long Halloween, I would give that a read whenever I uh, ultimately felt like returning to it. And I, oh boy, it was definitely a story. Oh man, I, I, I am still shocked at the ending i'm not gonna spoil it those of you who are already uh read the book great don't spoil it those of you who haven't reverence that is important yeah yeah that that, that is yeah. a classic one long halloween oh yeah i have never, i haven't read it yet but i'm i'm planning on reading it one of these days I will spoil nothing yeah thank you it's a classic one it is it is a bona fide classic you know yeah and it's it basically just batman flexing his mantle as the world's greatest detective you know yeah like and this is a mystery that to this day he thinks he solved but oh yeah again yeah. i am not gonna spoil anything yeah, <sighs> no no that's man. a really good one so uh yeah striker uh my memories for uh, Batman are always are all here and there. It mainly started with things like uh, uh, the Batman, uh, as well as Batman the Animated Series. Mm. But what nice. really cemented my interest in Batman were the Arkham games. Nice. nice yes. Guys. Yes. My uh, I, like I started with the original. Uh, Arkham Asylum, and then played Arkham City. I was officially hooked with Arkham City. Mm. Um, I didn't really enjoy Origins as much as every other game of the series. Come on, man, I got stroke in it. Me true, and I did pre-order it. By the way, I got the mm. Deathstroke DLC. Awesome. Um, mm. But the multiplayer yeah, multiplayer saved it for me. Nice. Wait, there was multiplayer? Yeah, there was a multiplayer mode in Origins. Fuck yeah, I want to get Origins and do that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Definitely, definitely. Uh, it's Gang Wars with Batman in it. Mm. Yeah, see, but, I always like when they do a different takes on it like that. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. 
if you knew how to play as each uh, as each team that is, because <laughs> like after a while you can like take control of either uh, Joker or Bane. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I'd rather, um, take, I'd rather take control of Deathstroke. Honestly, no, you can't. He's not a. He's not an option. Oh, that's a shame. You can play as him in uh in the uh, challenge DLC. map. So yeah, the challenge map DLC. Yeah, that that but sounds yeah. really that that's a my, good way to get it. Yeah. Oh yeah, but my personal favorite part of uh the Arkham series was mm. Arkham Knight. Uh, oh. A lot of people actually find it not as good as the rest of the trilogy. I mean, to be fair on that front, there are some moments that definitely feel a little... I have not played this game, but I have heard that there is something in it that is a little divisive. I'll put oh yeah, it it's way. the plot twist with, uh, with the, Arkham the Arkham Knight. Knight. So, yeah. I'm not going to spoil what happens, even though it's uh, <clears throat> a lot of people found yeah. it predictable. But even then, when I found when I realized who it was, it was still quite surprising the first time. Hmm. I'm nice. just like, wait, wait, is that actually thus and such? <laughs> uh, is that actually insert plot twist here? Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. no spoilers for that. Yep. But I will yeah. mention that um they do reference uh, a very dark moment in um the Batman comics oh. with uh, Jason Todd. Oh, oh yes, yeah. yes, we know. Yeah, right. yeah, everyone knows about what happens I, with that. Yeah, I think yeah. you can put the pieces together. I'll say nothing more on that. Yeah, I'm just yeah. mentioning that they have Jason Todd from the comics, and yes. Uh, this is the reason why the game was rated M, actually. I can see that. I I definitely, sure. definitely can see that. You can actually see Joker torturing mm. him. Yeah, ooh, yeah, yeah. Eventually, I, I eventually killing him, too. Yeah, I, I definitely, definitely can see that. Mm. So, yeah, uh, Math, what, what is uh, your favorite uh, Batman memories? Of course, the animation guy is going to talk about the animated series. <laughs> yeah, of course. Nice. Specifically, anything to do with Mr. Freeze. Oh, oh man. Yes. Yeah. yes. What if I thought you mentioned Master of the Phantasm for sure? Best Even version. Best version kid. of Mr. Freeze. Even hmm. as a young kid watching that series uh, for the first time, I could tell the Mr. Freeze stuff in particular was just high art. Oh, yeah. I really, it really was. Especially also, for animated television. Yeah, it really I, was. It was made by the I same people how, who made Animaniacs, too, by the way. I love I know, how the that's Mr. Freeze stuff part. was so impactful that they actually changed his comic origin to be the animated series origin. Yes. Yeah. Also, 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 also. Oh gosh, what was I gonna say? I was going somewhere with it. Like, other than no. Mask of the Fan. Oh right. Other than Mask of the Phantasm and all that, I other than other than the animated series. Sorry, a little bit of tangent. I absolutely adore what they did with Mister Freeze in uh, Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah, they did awesome. a good job with that too. Yes, mm, Harley. Yeah, sorry, yeah. and that too. That too, they did. Uh, yeah, just... really, really good job with Harley. Yep. Yeah, she was. Uh, <laughs> she literally very interesting. Let's do it that way. Very, very <laughs> unique. Yes. Yeah. They did something mutagen with the mutagen with her. Yes, yeah, they did definitely. something with the mutagen for a lot of them. Like yeah, for yeah, all yeah. yeah. It was it was really was good. On one. Yes, it was good. Just, 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 just. But no, yeah, I definitely went where you're coming from with uh, the animated series in general, which is yeah. definitely one of the best versions of Batman and Kevin Conroy, rest in peace, sadly. Definitely is mm. one of the best uh, actors who played Batman, probably ever, yes. really. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Deirdrick Bader and uh, freaking uh, Christopher Nolan definitely come close. Also, Adam West, rest in peace as mm. well. But man, oh, Kevin Conroy. He is up there. That was the biggest. Uh, that was the biggest blow to the to Batman fans. 
was Kevin yep. Conroy. No kidding. Yeah, like so I much agree. so that Mark Hamill, the guy who voiced the Joker, literally Ooh. gave up voicing uh, the Joker because uh, honestly, it's pretty poetic. I mean, this is the guy who yeah. was the Joker, and without Batman, there's no crime. Crime, that's no punchline. You know huh. that that is that is very true, huh? Yeah, he, yeah. Plus, uh, the way he said it, it was like as if you were one of his best friends, actually. No. Yeah, yeah, like the that, killing joke. Always... Holy hell, Mark Hamill is quite literally the Joker. Let's, he is let's God. Not be Joker. Very much so. I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, oh, yeah uh, Jordan, what would you say are your favorite uh, Batman memories? Oh God! <laughs> I probably all say good, all good. the Batman animated series. I never grew up watching them, but until Same. I was like younger and I had the the internet, the power to watch it, I'm like, oh my God, I am missing out on some cool crap. And I did not see it until high school. Mark Hillman doing Mark that Hamill. Joker laugh. Oh, I just get goosebumps. I just want to laugh. Hearing that the... maniacal laugh and hearing him just play this character, I'm like, oh my god. Definitely not the most disturbing him. he's been, but it's definitely up there. Yes, yes. Yes. And I guess my other favorite would probably be the Batman Beyond movie, The Return of the Joker. Yes, that... Batman Beyond. Yeah. That would yep. be my favorite. My my second favorite thing about the animation of Batman, because, again, you have great iconic actors playing mm. these characters, and you get more details, like, what happened after Batman the Animated Series, and we see this whole thing with uh, Tim Grayson, I mean, um, the new Batman yeah, character, Grayson. and Tim, all of this, Drake, I'm like, yeah. holy crap, we see these old characters with new characters, and it just brings out this more darker crazy sinister thing with the joker and batman gets like i mean he, he's old and we see this and we're like the, the expression on his face when you yeah. hear that maniacal laughter that bruce has heard for so many years you see that and i'm like holy crap this is sick and awesome so until dc decided to reboot it a few years later i hope they do not touch that because that is god <laughs> yeah we we were close to getting a batman beyond live action movie with michael keaton but oh, oh that would have been great man, wow. did dc screw the pooch or maybe warner bros i don't know who actually did it i mean it, yes but... the that Warner Brothers did the Batman, well, Batgirl series or whatever, and we do see the legend of the voice actor of Batman himself as this character. We see him, and he says those iconic lines, I am the Batman from the animated series to the live action. We see that. And I see in the episode, I'm like jaw-dropped, like watching something. Oh my god, he did this. He is old. We see him with this whole thing and we hear those words of from the animated series that he did of the live action series i'm like holy fucking hell this is beautifully done of him playing old bruce i'm like wow man <laughs> it's awesome also uh, gosh i forgot what i was gonna say really a bad time for me to forget that it's all good it's all good but yeah like i but no uh Anyway, Lucky Evie, what would you have to say? I don't really have much. I never really watched Batman, but I don't like him. Okay. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, like, do you have at least one moment? No, not really. Darn. Huh. It's all good. It's all good. Okay, so now it is time for the uh, patent pending uh, Dragonist scale, where we rank, of course, the Dragonist. This week is uh, Morgana Le Fay. I am going to give her a very high score. I am actually going to give her a 9 out of 10. I feel like the design is unique enough. She hits a lot of the buttons of uh, aspects I like about Dragonesses in that, which is very good. And, of course, the transformation itself is unique and really, really well done. The fact that mm. she still speaks is really good. And overall, she really represents a challenge to uh, Batman and Green Arrow while still being Morgana Le Fay. It's not like she just turns into a random monster. She still is visibly and physically the character deep down. 
So mm. she basically is a near perfect dragoness. The reason I'm not giving her a perfect 10 is because I feel that if she had showed up just a little bit earlier, just a couple of minutes earlier, would have been perfect. Would have been like a perfect score. And, you know, but I, I, overall, 9 out of 10, which is a very, very good score. And she's one of the most, uh, probably uh, really good Dragonist designs for a reason. I mean, there is a reason, not just reusing animation, that they, you know, use this design in a Scooby-Doo directed video movie that people will get to. But, yeah, 9 out of 10 for me. She she really is a great, great character. Uh, Angron? Okay, you're going to hate me for this, but go ahead, despite go ahead. singing my praises of Batman and whatnot... Not the biggest Batman fan. I'm certainly a fan, but that that yeah, Batman for the most part can have its highs as well as its lows. But Morgana. Okay, so this is DC Morgana we're talking about here. I do not know what other. Okay, there's Justice League where she wears a golden mask. Let's not beat around the bush on that part, but. Here, in Batman the Brave and the Bold, yeah, I am honestly going to go a tiny bit lower. She is not a bad character. Far from it. She's strong. She keep, she retains her personality. She's still cunning. She's still conniving. She's basically a supervillain. Let's basically put it out there. She is 100% a supervillain and one of the, de- one of the de- most dangerous foes that Batman's ever faced, and Green Lantern by extent. Oh, yeah. I just wish she had a little more time, you know? Yeah. I wish she had a little more time to develop, to develop like, this whole thing. Because, like, the build-up's awesome, and everything that happens in it is amazing. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. It's not 100% perfect for me. Her voice is, her voice is amazing. The style's awesome, but... There's just that little bit there that's keeping me from putting it in the same breath as your score, Lud. So okay. it's for that reason I'm going to have to give her an 8 out of 10. Nowhere near terrible. I, I nearly was about to give her a 7 out of 10 because she's definitely good. But to quote freaking, uh, freaking uh, that Mandalorian guy from Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> oh, no. She's good. <laughs> But she can be oh, better. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um... But yeah, that's mine. That's okay, it's okay. So, uh, yeah, Striker? Uh, I'm gonna go simply, um... 8 out of 10. She was great. Nice. She was really good. I have no good. complaints. All good. Wish she was better. Okay. Yeah, um, at least she was better. I will say at least she's better than, um, how they handled Ludmilla then. Yeah, so. yeah. We we are yeah. gonna redo uh, Ludmilla um, later mm. on on the podcast lifespan, probably sometime maybe next year. We'll have to see, but it'll be interesting to see if our opinions change. And plus, we have uh, two new people that we didn't have when we originally recorded it. But mm. yeah, I understand that completely. Um, Jordan, what would you have to say? Uh, I didn't have time to watch the episode, but I know Morgana in Arthur history that yeah. she is a badass. Mm-hmm. And no matter where dimension she's in of universe, uh, she's still a badass. And I like her dragon transformation. I might have seen a couple. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm yeah. going to give All her good. between five, and maybe six or seven up to a half. All right. Hold uh, on. Uh, stand by, Jordan. Sorry. Mm. Yeah, six point oh, five is good. I'll, I'll play that. I give her seven. Oh, no, eight okay, seven, seven. That's good. Huh, All nice. Right. Okay, yep. Yeah. Uh, math, what would you have to say? Uh, what score would you give uh, Morgana Le Fay, at least the version from Brave and the Bold? Uh, I'd say an eight as well. Nice. What's the issue with this character, because I love her design, I love the way that they presented her, I love all the things that they do with her. It, they, not to the show's detriment, more to the characters. If you don't know the DC version of Morgan Le Fay, you are going to be a little bit lost on what the fuck is going on with this character. You'll get the gist of it, just even based on uh, Arthurian legend, but you're going to be a little bit lost unless you know some 
uh, DC background history here, and that kind of does uh, affect this character a little bit. I don't think I, that's I really know an, about her. So I don't think that's really an issue. Per se. It really wasn't for oh, yeah. me either, because as a you know, yeah. when I watched this like for the first time, I didn't know that much about DC or some of its characters. I actually learned some of them from this show, like a Red Tornado and that. And yeah, yeah, I have to say overall, uh, I see where you're coming from though. Like if you're out of the loop, it could be a little confusing, especially with some of the uh, other aspects of it. And yeah, uh, that just leaves uh, Lucky Evie. What do you have to give uh, Morgana? I'd say eight out of ten. I like her design. Oh, nice, nice. nice. All right, so yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. The this will be the episode that almost didn't happen because Discord was down a couple of minutes before we started recording. That's and why then in came Batman. Thankfully, with yep, his Batman unisex saved hammers us. of justice. Batman <laughs> saved us all. Uh, we got for that. So yeah, if this episode is a little more disjointed than usual, we apologize. You know, some people didn't make it early yeah. on, so they appeared halfway through. It's all good. It's all good. So yeah, if you have any questions or if you want to send us your impression of Vincent Price's egghead, you can feel free to email us at fierydiscourse at outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fierydiscourse. Next time, we'll be looking at the 2002 movie Reign of Fire starring Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale. That's going to be nice. very interesting to watch about and talk about too. Yep. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for being a part of this. And until next time, uh, take care. Yeah. Bye -bye. Later. Later. So, adios. See y'all next week. Later.